And I probably acted like a potato head once in a while in my life. Good morning, church family. What a joy it is to be a part of Valley Community Church and what you are accomplishing. Last night at uh, South El Monte Harvest Festival, we saw our English and our Spanish worship teams shine. And they played some great music. Those that were there, yeah. To Miss Mayor Gloria Olmos, well done for you and your team. And uh, what a joy it was to be there and just to be a blessing to one of our cities that we represent at Valley. Uh, Tonight, as Terry said, Miss Terry and Alex and their team uh, will have our very own fall festival. And it's been planned for many, many, many months. And the kids are just going to uh, explode with joy uh, in this time because uh, I don't celebrate Halloween. I don't celebrate that. I celebrate fall. I celebrate family. And it's about family at VFAM. And we just enjoy one another as a church family. And also my passion is for your homes and what homes are. I had a discussion with some uh, college students um, a few weeks ago, and I, I made a statement, and the statement was this, is that we, we have to return to the home. And they asked me the question, well, what is the home? What about, and they began to give scenarios of what happened in their life and all the different things. Bottom line, the scenario of the home is the biblical transformation of what God has created the home to be. What he created in marriage, what he created in family, uh, honoring mother and father, and being a blessing to your children and grandchildren. And that's what it is. Whether you've been raised in a single parent home or no parents, drug addicts, whatever it may be, you can be the start of a home that is representation, a representation of the kingdom of God. And uh, so I've learned that, that I grew up not in a perfect home. I was blessed uh, with parents. Uh, my father passed away at a young age. And uh, so, so I understand that process of change and hurt and loss and different things. But I just want to tell you, is God is doing some amazing things at Valley. Uh, Today we handed to you a voter guide, the voter guide to show you um, two areas of belief system and the platform of these uh, areas. And I want to talk to you about this. And as I've always said, I I am called to teach the Word of God. I am called to represent the kingdom of God. And at times, uh, the Holy Spirit will lead me to either just speak uh, verbatim or to write things down that he spoke to me uh, regarding some of the important things that are going on in our world. And as you well know, November 8th, I've already voted. I mailed in my vote. And on November 8th, I'm going to wear my little tag, I voted. But church family, we are in a spiritual battle. The battle and victory will take place for, I believe, the church on November 8th. Because men and women, boys and girls who are 18 and older, will vote. And they will vote according to the kinship of the kingdom of God and the word of God. What the focus will be for the church in our voting will be the demonic influence of murdering our children in their mother's womb. The deception that is out there, we've been talking about I am free and deception of the enemy. The deception is abortion being called birth control. I was going to read Psalm 2, but you can read it later on. Psalm 2, I believe, is a scripture 
uh, verses 2 through 12 mainly, is a scripture that is for this moment on November 8th. California and its leadership is the qualifier of these verses coming to pass. Using scripture for murder. Using word of God, and it is totally opposite using that word of what God meant in that scripture they used. The truth is, Jesus our Lord is still in control, and he uses you, the church, to carry out his will. And on November 8th, I challenge you to carry out his will. We see in the history of mankind, and I'm just going to say it uh, of three, is they killed babies in Moses' days. They killed babies in Jesus' days. I stood in Israel where they used to throw thousands of children and pregnant mothers over a cliff. And we see it today. And the reason is, and the motive is, is Satan hates the home and despises the home. We all have our opinions, I do too, regarding the border, regarding taxes, regarding inflation. Biblically, I do also. It's about the onslaught of the home in every area. It's about our children our young people. When we, the church, become biblical and follow Jesus Christ in the truest sense of faith, the world will want to follow us and our opinions. We have given you this information on what the two main groups stand for. And I'm going to conclude with this, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God. Vote, church family. Don't be that person that says, well, I'm tired of politics, I'm just not going to vote. Then what you're saying is I'm tired of the home and I'm tired of what God is proclaiming for your home. And I'm being very straightforward with you. All of you listening online, you know that I love people. But I don't apologize for the strength of what I'm saying today. Vote on God's side. And I'm going to use a term that we need to understand. We need to go back to history And we need to understand what this nation has been founded to be. This republic, which is a nation, must return to God's ways. The church, many of you pastors that are listening to me, you must stand for the kingdom of God and not be concerned about your attendance or someone being offended by the truth of the word of God. And we need to begin to understand and stop arguing with people regarding this. We need to vote. We need to vote and stand. And people say, what did you vote for? Let them know. And the reason why, because you are protecting God's home. I have seen the videos. I have talked to men and women I have talked to doctors who used to do abortions and the stories they tell and the devastation that goes on. And you don't hear that on TV, on the radio, or in the newspapers, or from many of our politicians. It is murder. And then the moment you say that, they say, but what if, bottom line, you are killing a baby. 
Because the word of God says in Ephesians chapter 1, before the foundation, the creation of this earth, God had a plan for every baby that's been murdered. A viable person. Amen. And then in Jeremiah, it tells us that God knew Jeremiah in the mother's womb. Also, John the Baptist was anointed by the Holy Spirit in the mother's womb. Don't tell me it's not viable. There are situations that the doctor only understands of the health of the mother, but to kill a child because they're saying possibility of some difficulty in the mental area or whatever of a child, give it up for adoption. There are people that will love that child because that child has a purpose on this earth. And we need to understand from any areas of finances, of socialism, of social justice, all goes back to the home that is represented in this area. So church family, uh, I stand here before you non-apologetic of telling you the truth of the word of God. And I stand here, if, if anyone, the sound of my voice, that you've had an abortion, there is forgiveness. You don't have to walk around in condemnation, but turn around and be that person that now says, in my past, I made a mistake, but today I will never, ever, ever do that again. And I will help other young ladies and men to understand the truth of the kingdom of God. So when you vote, don't just think border. Just don't think these different things. It all is wrapped up in the home. And the bottom line is who stands for life. Let's all stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You rule and reign in this place. The word of God is first in this place. We do not submit to any deception, anything contrary to the word of God. We, Valley Community Church, love people and desire that all people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and are baptized in the Holy Spirit to walk in the authority and the calling of God that you've called us into. Lord, help us to understand how to walk in a life that we could say, I am free. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, go vote, and you may be seated. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to dive into something that another is another touchy subject in the Bible. And uh, it's not touchy to me, it's real, it's my lifestyle. And we're going to dive into something, and, and I'm going to be very straightforward with you. And uh, bottom line, again, you can re-watch it, re-listen to it over and over, because I got a lot to share with you. You know that. I study the Word of God. And I pour the Word of God out. It's not me only. God's gifted me to teach the Word. But I want you to grab the Word and make your decisions based upon what Scripture says. And today, uh, we've entitled this, We Need to Check the Door. In this series, we've talked about open doors. It's where we allow the thief to come in to steal, kill, and destroy we, we may look through the peephole of our doors and see the danger, but I'm telling you, in your life, you need to check the door to see if your door is locked. What do I mean by that? To check your door to see if your door is locked. That's what we're going to explain today. So we need to check 
the door. A few weeks ago, we talked about pride, the deception of pride, and how the enemy comes in and will still kill and destroy because of that. Today, let's talk about the first open door. Pride was the first door that Satan opened, which caused him to be cast out of heaven. We talked about the story of Satan being cast out of heaven, thinking that he was greater than God. So pride was the first door mankind opened, as we discussed, with Adam and Eve. The door called pride is one we need to check continuously in our lives. And notice in the last few weeks that I have uh, mentioned pride, we taught on pride, and then I've mentioned pride. In 1 John, stay in Genesis chapter 3, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So in this scripture we've read before, we see the three major doors the enemy uh, comes through here in 1 John 2.16. So we talked about the pride of life. Today, we will talk about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the eyes. Next time together, uh, when we join together, we will talk about the lust of the flesh. There is a difference in both. So bottom line, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to know how to deal with these doors uh, is our goal. We're going to see what the do these doors are and how to deal with them and how the enemy comes in with deception and brings you and me into a place of confusion. The Bible tells us that uh, God is not the God of confusion, that it's the enemy, that is Satan himself. We talked about demonic possession, demonic influence in this series. So I, I want you just to say with me, if you could repeat with me the words, I am free. Let's do that. I am free. So to help all of us, let's identify how we have the lust of, of the eyes, and we're going to talk about it in three, we're going to use three different words uh, regarding an action or a lack of action that we do in the body of Christ that maybe because we don't understand it, maybe because we have made a decision of rebelling against it, and many people teach that it's not of today. But we're going to talk about this and use three different words. The first word that I want to talk about that we need to uh, shut the door on is the word greed. Everyone say greed. In Genesis 3, verse 1, the serpent, who is Satan, is cunning, and he begins to deceive Eve. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? So the first thing Satan does is to cast doubt on the Word of God. Okay, that's the first thing that the enemy does in any area of your life is if you either don't know the Word, what it says, or if you do, he begins to cast doubt on the Word that you know. He says, did God really say, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Remember, two trees. All right, verse, verse two. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, I just want you to understand right away, deception's happening because God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. Don't eat of it. Don't let it be a part of your life. All right? So we see the deception already working, casting doubt on what God said. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, Watch very carefully what is said. You will not surely die. 
Satan, again, will always contradict the word of God. Now today, here's the subject we're going to use in the reality of all the three words. We're going to touch on tithing and giving. It is completely clear that we open ourselves to a curse. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't curse us. It's the action or lack of action regarding the tithe that is set in the kingdom of God that brings this curse. So we open ourselves up to the curse when we don't tithe. But it's amazing how many people and even leaders will actually say, oh, you won't be cursed. They're contradicting the word of God saying, I know God said that, but it's not true for today. So let's keep going. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. She was deceived. Adam knew he ate, and it was Adam's sin that created all our mess. Satan's strategy is to simply get you to doubt or question God. Don't raise your hand, or if you want to, you can. How many of you have ever doubted God? Yeah. You know, like, is it really for today? Because I heard someone, and they were on the radio, or they were on TV. I listened to a blog, and they said it wasn't for today. Eve saw it, and it was a pleasant the eyes. Verse 9 of Genesis 2, let's read this. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what that scripture is saying is that everything that that God has created is pleasant to your eyes. And so for it to be pleasant to your eyes, the reality is is God created all things in that realm. But Satan convinced her there was something different of this tree or of this fruit. This word pleasant sometimes is translated greed or lust or desire the word pleasant. Eve thought that something else would make her happy, and that's greed. I'll say it again. Eve thought that something else would make her happy, and that is the deception of greed. So the question is, do you know what Adam and Eve's sin was? Well, they ate the apple. We don't know if it was an apple or not. They took what belonged to God. They took what belonged to God. So another question that I want to ask here is, why would God do that? God's saying, everything else is yours except this. It belongs to me. What a selfish God he must be. See, that's the way the enemy comes in. Why would, God, why would God do that? Well, I want to tell you, the answer is found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And what Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, he does it according to what he said there and other scriptures that God will test you 
so he can bless you. God will test you so he can bless you. God blesses us when we believe, when we live by faith, he tells us to do something and we do it, then we are blessed by him. It's called faith. The word tithe also means tenth. Because people say, well, you know, uh, it's, it's described like, okay, a test. Subscribe like that in the Bible. Well, did God do that or is it just for today? Well, here are some examples. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten times, ten plagues. Question, how many commandments are there? There were ten. Now, you may not know this one, but it's obvious. How many times did God test Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness? Ten. There you go. You got it. All right. Question, how many times was Jacob's wages changed? Ten times. See, you can sound so smart. Just remember ten. All right? Here's another question. Remember, it's talking about a test. All right? How many days was Daniel tested? Ten days. How many virgins was tested in Matthew 25? Ten virgins. How many days of testing were in the book of Revelation? Ten. How many disciples were there? Ah, there you go. You're listening. I was testing you. So the number 10 in the Bible is a test. So every two weeks when I receive a paycheck, I'm tested to tithe. The purpose of tithe is whom will you thank or honor? Also, will you believe that God's blessing will go farther than the 10%? That's why my wife and I give or return 20%. Are you going to live your life by faith or by what the enemy tells you? Here's the question again. Are you going to live your life by faith or by what the enemy tells you? This is what God said. The background in the garden. There were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Or let me explain. The tree of life or the tree of death. And Satan said, it's good for you. God's plan was not death. God's plan was for us to live eternally. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, I live an eternal life. How about you? Amen? Now, what we find with Adam and Eve, their children did the same thing. Remember, Adam and Eve took what was God's. And so in the story of Cain and Abel, it happened too. God represents a tithe through the principle of the firstborn and the first fruits in the Bible. You need to get Dr. Mila's book. She talks about that a lot. In Exodus 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens a womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. In other words, it is mine, it belongs to me. The same principle. Okay? Verse 19, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in the mother's milk. In other words, you bring it to the storehouse, it's God. That's what firstborn, that's what first fruits, that's what tithe is. Notice when it talks about the tithe, Scripture never uses the word give it. Pastor Dan said something about that this morning. Never says give it, it uses the word bring. Now, why is that? Because you cannot give what doesn't belong to you. So the tithe, the 10%, is 
is something that doesn't belong to you. So, according to the Bible, there are only two things you can do with the tithe. All right, two things. You can bring it to God's house, or you can steal it. Let me, let me give you an example. If I go out of town and Pastor Dan says to me, can I borrow your Jeep while you're out of town? I'm getting my car fixed, Dan says, and, but I'll take you to the airport. Well, I was like, great, yeah, you can do that. So a week later, I come home, and Pastor Dan says, I'll be right over, and I'll give you your, the Jeep. I'll give you the Jeep. Um, Dan, you're not going to give me the Jeep. You're going to return it because I own the Jeep. Dan, that week I was gone, did you bump your head? It's not your car. All right? So the firstborn and the first fruit are always returned to God, not given. It's returned. So right after the parents took from God, watch what Cain does. Genesis 4, verse 3, turn the page or just click to the next chapter. Notice the words, a process of time. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it never says the first fruit. In the process of time, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Abel also brought... But it was the firstborn of his flock and the fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Watch carefully what God says next. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Watch this, because we're talking about opening the doors to the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember we talked about the thief and robber? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But verse 7 says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you return and do what Scripture says or what I said, if you do not well, sin lies at the, everyone say it, door. We're talking about checking the door, checking your door, checking your lifestyle, checking the things that you're doing or not doing. And its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. The Hebrew word <clears throat> desire means a desire to rule. All right? There are a lot of people that just, you know, I'm just tired. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Satan wants to rule over you, and he is right at the door. So the fruit or the first sin is to take what belongs to God because of the lust of the eyes. Leviticus 27.30, watch what this says. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The word holy there means to be set apart. Set apart or set apart for the Lord. I tithe writing a check. I also have other bills that I write a check or I go online to pay online. And bottom line, I make sure that on the day that I am paid, the first thing that I will do in any areas of my finances on that day is I write out my check. I write out my check. 
because God is first. I'm returning what belongs to him. So greed is the first door we need to check. Here's the second, unbelief. Why would people not tithe when the Bible is so clear? Let me give you the answer of that. It is because they don't believe it's for today. I used to, for years, sit with people and not really argue, but discuss with them the principle of the tithe. And they would come in trying to prove to me that it's not of God. And I know Scripture said they'll use Scripture just like our governor used Scripture for abortion. And they'll use Scripture to deny or have unbelief of certain things. It is God. So these folks are not bad people, but they disagree with me regarding the issue of the tithe, saying it's not for today. And let me just say this to you. is I've stopped, if they want to discuss it, I will say, yes, I believe the principle of the tithe. And you can look on our webpage and we say just a little bit about it. Um, Well, can I just sit here and argue? No, I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I don't, and when I say this, hear my heart, church, is I will not waste my time when there are people dying and going to hell on hours and hours of discussion and arguments regarding the time. And I'm just telling you, as long as I breathe, I will be teaching tithe is for today, and it is the principle, and it is God's and not ours, and I'm going to say it this way, to even discuss whether it's true or not, or even to say that maybe God said, It's not for today. So in Scripture, it's before the law. A lot of people say, well, you know, it it only came the law. We've been delivered from the law. We haven't been delivered from the law. Also, those who disagree with me say the word tithe does not appear in the New Testament. It appears eight times in the New Testament. Remember, the first belongs to God. Remember, God told Israel... All of Jericho was to be returned to the house of the Lord. It was God's. Why didn't he say, give me 10%. 10% is mine. It's the tithe. Jericho was the first city they conquered. Give me the first and the rest is blessed. Amen? Joshua 6.19. Consecrate means set apart. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Joshua 7, 11. Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Stolen, it belongs to someone else when it's stolen. So bottom line, church, They took it, it's accursed. If it's God's, it's accursed if you take it. It does not produce fruit. It creates problems, and we begin to walk in curses. Verse 12, remember the curse? Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. In other words, those who stole what was God's. God was saying, I wanted to bless them, but they stole or took what was mine. The result is they couldn't stand before their enemy. We're talking about checking your doors. Checking your doors. Lock your door. Malachi 3.7, we're just going to quickly go over this because I want you to understand, you know, the reality of what's going on in the body of Christ and why the power of God is not in a full 
uh, realm that God has planned for this breakthrough year and breakthrough decade is that we need to align ourselves to the Word of God. Malachi 3.7, it speaks of ordinance. We'll read it in a moment, but let me explain something. The word ordinance means ordinary principle. It's an ordinary principle for God, for us to return the tithe to Him. That's what Malachi is saying. It is ordinary. It is a lifestyle of the believer. It is a lifestyle of the kingdom of God. Tithe and first fruits with Cain and Abel, watch this, was 2,500 years before the law. It is an ordinance of God. It is a lifestyle of God. So Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus says, you ought to tithe. Now, years ago, I was lost. I'm not talking about couldn't find a street. I wasn't born again. And the one who saved me, the one that went to the cross, it took stripes on his back for my healing. The one that shed his blood for me says, you ought to tithe. That's good enough for me. I can doctrinally argue with you. Go on the Greek, go on the Hebrew. But I'm not going to do that. I won't. I will not. Malachi 3, 7 through 9 says this. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation." And you say, Pastor, why are you teaching on this? Because <laughs> I planned this over a year ago. But why are you teaching on this with all this inflation? Gas prices are up. Because the body of Christ hasn't put their vote where their heart is. And we have created a system in our world of inflation and it's costing the average family in America, $5,500 more a year. In California, because of our wonderful leadership, it's costing us $7,200 more a year. And I'm trying to break the deception of the enemy that in the midst of inflation, the immense the, in the midst of gas prices for you and I to walk in obedience to the Lord and break through so that God will take care of that $7,200 and even more when you live by the 90%. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Test, here it is, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Food in the house at Valley Community, you are being fed the word of God. It is a spiritual principle. We have great physical food also in our lives. I want to tell you what. Y'all can cook. That's why I have to work out five days a week in order to halfway be in shape. God says, test me and I will bless you. I'm saying, church family, I know it's difficult. I know it's hard when you're looking at your checkbook and you're looking at your bills. God will give you wisdom and insight to work where you're at with what you're making. He will give you promotion. He will take care of you if you will trust in him. That's why I'm speaking on this this day that I planned last year, not knowing how it was going to be politically in our day. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. 
and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Did you know that Jesus delights in you? There is a difference between robbing and theft. Scripture plainly says, robbed or rob. Theft is when you are not home. Robbing is when you're home. God is in the house here, his presence in here, and people, I'm going to say this, it's going to be strong, people leave with the tithe in their pocket, they've robbed God. He was in the house, and you took what was his. I didn't use these words. God did. You know, I, when I was in Bible college, I, I just knew that it was right. And, you know, all Bible college, LIFE Bible college, the acronym LIFE, used to mean, when I was in Bible college, living in financial embarrassment. Probably still does to some of our students here. But the reality is, test God. Test God. Let me say it this way. When you tithe, I can pray this protection over you or believe for myself. See, when I tithe, when you tithe, I can pray this protection. When you come and get anointed with oil and you're a tither, we can pray that and, and we're praying over someone that's not cursed. That's how strong the word is on this. And a lot of pastors play games because they want to be everybody's friend. I love you. I, I appreciate you. I, I adore the people at Valley Community Church. I am proud of who you are and the things you accomplish in life. I rejoice when I see you driving a, a car. I rejoice when I see you got a new home or a new apartment. I rejoice when you got a new instrument playing here. I rejoice in the things that God blesses you with. But when we pray, people ask the question all the time, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I'm saying, did you check the door? Did you check the door? See, God wants you to be blessed. Now, I'm not perfect. Newsflash, neither of any of us. None of us are perfect. So because I tithe doesn't mean I don't open other doors. But here's the reality is that we need to understand the strength of what belongs to God. What I am saying that there is a benefit of being under God's umbrella of protection, but we step out from under that with unbelief, where we begin to question the word of God. And that's what the enemy did from the beginning. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. I am the Lord. I do not change. What does that mean? God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the principle of the tithe is for today also. Here's the third open door we need to check. Fear. Fear. Luke 22, turn to that. We're actually going to read a lot of Scripture. Why? Because we base everything on Scripture. Amen? I try not to read too much scripture because we're constantly reading because I want to be personal with you. But I want to tell you, I want you to understand the word of God is truth and the word of God will set you free. It will. It will set you free. Luke 22, 3 through 5. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. In other words, Judas was walking in fear. How do I know that? Here's the open door of fear with Judas. John 12, verse 1 through 6. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus uh, was who had been dead, 
whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a, a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Now, let me just say this to you. Because he was afraid that he couldn't have any money to steal, or he was afraid because he was the one that took care of the money that he couldn't pay the bills. He was walking in fear. Fear will cause you to disagree with God and to walk in fear. He had fear for the future. So why why people don't tithe? Because of the fear of the future. In Matthew 26, verse 15, it says, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. In Matthew 27, verse 3, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself because of fear. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Wow. They took tithe money to betray Jesus. I just want to say that to you again. The chief priest took tithe money to betray Jesus. Also, watch this. 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave in that day. Bondage. Fear brings bondage. They betrayed Jesus with the tithe money. They paid 30 pieces of silver which is the price of bondage. And when we are tested, we fail because of fear. It is the price of bondage. And many people today are struggling because they opened the door. The enemy has come in and he's stolen. He's killed vision. He's killed direction. He's destroyed families. He has caused a deception and a blindness of what the home is. When people want to describe what the home is, they don't know how. And so the world is then trying to teach you and me what the home is, what marriage is what your identity is, what your sexual orientation is. All the different things because the home has been dispelled. Because of the deception, the open doors have come in in these three areas that I've talked about. And I want you to understand one of the biggest things that happens in our lives. I know I've been there. And I know that there are times in my life because of the, the care uh, that I oversee from church to many different sons in the faith, daughters in the faith, to family, you name it, the things that I care, that I'm thinking maybe I need to, and the Holy Spirit in me says, stop, check your door. And you know what I do? I run as fast as I can. I don't run as fast as I used to. But I run as fast as I can, and I check that door. It's like when I come in here, and I come in the choir room door. I got the key. I got to open up the, the, the padlock. I got to open up, you know, the doorknob. And then I go in. I make sure that's locked. I make sure, 
you know, the, the lock is, is set and everything. Why? Because I am trying to keep the thief and the robber out. Now, going in the spiritual, we need to check our doors. Because if they're open, he will come in and rob. So let's have a breakthrough and no longer be in bondage to fear. I'm telling you, some of you might be watching online and just thinking, really? You know, I mean, with all this chaos in the world that's going on and all this hatred, all this racism, all, you know, all the, all the deception of the world that is being thrown out, the body of Christ, we walk in love. Body of Christ, we don't see color. Amen. But the body of Christ returns to God what's his, and the body of Christ does not go against what the Word of God says in any area of our life. And we need to make those choices. We got to stop allowing the deception of the enemy like he did with Eve say, you know, did God really say? Well, maybe, you know, in today's day, and you see churches now have signs, we accept, we do this, we do that. I'm telling them, find the scripture. What's scripture say? You know what scripture says? Love people. Don't judge people, but love people. But when you have a chance to vote and to bring the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom of God in your city, in your state, in your nation, then you better look and find out what those people are believing in. And when they are opposite of the word of God, then you vote for people who are for the word of God. Now, if you don't know me, you would think, <laughs> hmm, there must be a budget problem at the church. He's preaching on tithe. I need to get more offering. You know, I, I just, <clears throat> I, I step on that comment and I kick it to the side. Amen. Amen. Hey, if there was nothing coming in, I would do this for free. Some of you are thinking, well, why don't you? Because I don't want to steal your blessing. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching this because I love you. And I want you to live in a breakthrough. And some of you have been listening to these messages, which is transformational. These messages has transformed other churches. I want you to understand this, transformed leadership. And you're looking at me and, and saying, why are you being so strong? Because you know what? My first priority, other than serving the Lord Jesus Christ and my family, is you is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that you will walk in freedom and be able to say, I am free. And you're questioning, how come I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I fasted and I've gone to Bible study and how come the same thing keeps happening? I'm saying again, check the door. Is there an open door that you're allowing the enemy to come in and keep you from your breakthrough? Jesus Christ has given you authority. And how you do it is you walk in obedience to the word of God. I love you. And I don't want the devourer to come and check your door and find it open. Don't leave the original door that was open to Satan. Close it. Don't get prideful. Don't get that, you know, well, I have struggled with this and I haven't done this and, 
you know, I get frustrated sometimes. Like, I come to church with all the stuff going on in my life, and all he talks about is finances. Really? Really? I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking to most people online because I get questions. You know, at the club, people will watch, and, and I get questions. Well, how come you always talk about I said, how many of these have you watched? Two. You know how many times I preached? You watched two? When you watch the last 10 years of my messages, then we can have a discussion. Amen. You know what I talk about? Jesus Christ is Lord. Father God loves you, and the Holy Spirit anoints you with gifts and the power to go in this world and succeed in everything you put your hands to because that's the truth that will set you free. Amen. Let's all stand. I got to get my Mr. Potato Head outfit on. Let me close with this and I'm going to pray. When you close the door through faith and obedience, your whole life will begin to change. I'm not talking about closing the door for a week, a month, a year. I'm talking about a lifestyle, full lifestyle a whole lifestyle commitment. And when you do that, your life will change. The things that used to come in and steal you blind and rob, the the things in your family, the anger, the dissension, the stuff that rises up all the time will begin to either fade away or God will set a wall in between you and that person that's bringing destruction in your life. Some of you that struggle in relationships, shut the door and then begin to worship God and God will bring you the desire of your heart. Wherever you're at, young people in school, you're struggling in math, you're struggling in science, you're struggling in in whatever class you're in, shut the door make God first return to him what's his which is you part of your life that that 10% is you Pastor Terry has asked people to volunteer across the street tonight well I've never done that go start shut the door I'm telling you we are seeing such powerful things. You would have been so proud last night of our worship teams. Amen, Pastor Angel? Man, your crew was awesome. Amen. Amen. And I, I, I watched them. I was in the background praying for, for them, but I watched Pastor Angel. Here's a platform. He's just walking back and forth before it started. Just praying and coming against the enemy and just releasing the power of God. Why is that? I know why. Because you love your church. And you teach the Word of God. And you practice what you preach. Amen. That's why you got to invite your friends that don't speak English, even if they do speak English, speak Spanish, you get here. The man of God knows his stuff. Amen. Amen. Let's cause this place to explode. How? Salvation. Why? Because you shut the door from the enemy keeping you from leading your family to Jesus. That's how important this is. Man, I got to be quiet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You rule and reign in this place. Lord, tonight, We not only thank you for the protection of the Lord, but Father, we thank you for salvation 
and people that will see the kindness and the love of the body of Christ and they will begin to attend here and they will return to you and they will say, God, what do you want me to do? And we'll teach them and disciple them and mentor them so they can become everything that God planned for them in Ephesians chapter 1 before the foundation of this earth. And I give you praise for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay, Holy Spirit, I'll say it. If you haven't tithed, do it today. Go home, get your checkbook, get your iPad, whatever, get online and tithe and return it because it rightfully belongs to God. Is that all Holy Spirit? (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, just touch lives now. Lord, allow just a spiritual, deep, comforting breath. Just a, I get it now. And Lord, I pray for our families in Jesus' name. The home will return. I thank you, the lost children that have gone astray, that are older, that are adults. In Jesus' name, they will return. I thank you, Lord, for the healing power of God. We've shut the door. The power of healing will just explode in our lives, in our homes, and in our church because we've shut the door. Give you praise for that, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone look at me, please. I love you. I really, really do. The church staff loves you. Pastoral staff loves you. And just understand, we got something to do. And this city, cities around us, are going to begin to hear the power of the Holy Spirit through us. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great afternoon. See you tonight.